Thanks, Maynard. I was, I was trying to get my journal because of what Linda shared about uh, here being a place where God can kind of sort out our feathers out so that we can minister outside. And I just wrote this down this morning as I felt the Lord Jesus was saying this to me. I want, Jesus said, I want to breathe fresh life into my congregation every Sunday. For everyone to come with eager anticipation of impartation, meaning receiving from God, and participation too. You're not just feeders, you know, you're, you're meant to be givers as well, ministers, priests, as the Bible puts it. Every part matters and ministering, or every part mattering and ministering. So that's Jesus' heart for us that we would all receive from him today, but also be able to minister because of that receiving too. Everyone mattering, but also everyone ministering. Okay. All right. I've invested in some Kit Kats today. Ooh. Okay, first Kit Kat coming out. Which, uh, which book and... Matthew 24. Okay, anyone in Matthew 24 already? Anyone? Yes. Okay, Kevin, Kevin and Jackie, so if you put your hands up and you're further back, next week sit at the front and I'll see you. All right. Matthew 24. All right. We were starting at verse 1, but we've managed to get up to verse 7. But we'll start from verse 6 because it's pertinent to what we're experiencing in the world right now. Matthew 24, verse 6 is the words of Jesus. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And last week we looked at the subject of famines and we took quite, I thought it was quite an interesting detour into oaths and promises, broken oaths and promises and how the enemy can stir people up to, well, make these oaths in the first place and then break these oaths in order to bring about famine and all sorts of other suffering in the world too. And for those who are watching on Zoom and here last week, you may recall that we talked about the miraculous works of Elisha. Uh, and I gave several words of knowledge. I gave three old words that are already confirmed in order to give you encouragement to receive the three new words. Um, and, uh, which, and, and the next morning, and I want to share with you what was happening as I was sharing those words of, well, I, I would call them words of knowledge, pictures and senses and and instruction, um, I want to explain to you from Scripture what I think was happening on that very morning that I woke up and received these words of knowledge and what else was going on during our midst that you might not have realised. So, and it just turns out that the following day, so Monday, I opened my Bible out to continue to read about Elisha in two, actually two what? What's the word? Two kings, Yes. Mind you, I'm going to have to bring some non-sweetie chocolatey things now. Give it to Wendy. Mind you, Wendy might not want it either. Give it to someone else, yeah. Yeah, and two kings. Turn to two kings, because two kings 
happens to mention a famine, and it also explains what was going on last Sunday as well. So 2 Kings chapter 8, continuing to read about the exploits of Elisha, or I was on my daily readings. Uh, Starting at verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 1. Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he'd restored to life. Now a bit of background. Elisha the prophet was going past this, where this woman lived quite often and she thought, do you know what? Why not build a little room on the top of our house so that he can stay whenever he's passing through? So he did and then a bit later he spoke to his servant Gehazi and said, look, what can we do for this woman? She's helped us out. Does she need anything? And she said, no, I'm okay, I'm fine, thank you. But Elisha didn't leave it at that. Elisha said to Gehazi, come on, what can we do? And Gehazi said, well, she hasn't had any children. Aha, that's something I can do. Me and my God, we can do this. So they said, next year you'll have a son. No, no, please don't tease me. Yes, it's true, next year, and sure enough, she had a son. Later on, we don't know how old the son was, but he died. And she called for the prophet, and Elisha came back and laid across him after the instruction of God. Of the first time, it didn't work, did he? What did he do the first time? Can you remember from my testimony last week? Staff, yeah. He told Gehazi, go on, go and take the staff, lay it on the boy. And when he got there, it hadn't worked. He literally said it hadn't worked. So, oh, okay, that didn't work. What do I do next? So he laid across him, didn't he? Eventually the boy came back to life. So, now Elisha said to the woman whose son had restored to life, go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. Now, if you don't now, but if you look back to that famine, it was awful. I mean, some of the details about what they ate, horrific. This was a horrific time in this famine. Now, Prophet Elisha actually warned her and said, go somewhere else. Don't, you're going to have, if you stay here, you'll experience a famine. But if you go away, you won't experience this famine. Now, as Christians... I I don't think we should feel guilty when God steers us in a way and we avoid the suffering that others suffer. Not that we avoid it all the time, do we? But don't feel guilty when God leads you to a certain place or a certain way and others have suffered and you haven't. Okay, But at the same time, don't look down on them, thinking, well, I wonder what's wrong with them and God. I'm okay. I wonder why they're not okay and start to judge them and think of reasons why. Okay, just be grateful that sometimes the Lord leads us in a way that helps us to avoid suffering. Sometimes, not all the time. Ask some Christians who survived the, uh, the Twin Towers. God did some amazing things that day for people, didn't they? Where they didn't actually go to work when they were meant to. But other people did and suffered and even died. So if God does lead you away from suffering, just be grateful. Give thanks. On the other hand, if we do experience suffering, we've learned from King David last week that we should earnestly seek God in the midst of it. Whatever the reason for the suffering, the famine, whatever it is, God is the answer. God should never be fought, but always be sought in everything. Okay, verse 2. The woman proceeded to do as the man of God said. 
she and her family went and stayed in the land of the Philistines for seven years. At the end of the seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to appeal to the king for her house and land. You know, it must be awful right now, mustn't it, for the Ukrainians, for the people of Ukraine to be leaving their homes and their land to go off to a place where they just don't know where they're going, wondering, will I ever come back? And if I do come back, will my house be left? I mean, will it be standing? Even if it is standing, who will be occupying it? What will have happened to my possessions? Must be horrible, mustn't it? Does God care about such things? We're going to find out in a minute, aren't we? Does God care about where the Ukrainian people are going? Yes. Can he lead them to the right places? We don't know where this lady stayed, do we? And Elisha didn't tell her where to go. He just said, go somewhere else. Shall we pray now for the Ukrainian people? Yeah. I'll pray, and then everyone else, anyone else wants to pray, we can now. Abba Father, as we're just reading now about uh, the lady that you provided for so wonderfully and for the warning that the prophet Elisha gave her about the famine, she was able to avoid that awful suffering. But in a sense, she did suffer having to leave everything behind and go to an unknown place for an unknown future. And Father God, as we, as we think about this and we think about what's going on in the world right now, particularly the Ukrainian people are on the news and we see things in front of our eyes of people having, millions of people having to leave everything behind and go to an unknown place for an unknown future. And Lord, some of them, many of them are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we know from experience and from your word that you care and that you have plans and purposes for every person. And so we pray, Father, that wherever they go, they will end up being in the right place. And Lord, we pray that those that are destined by you to come back to the Ukraine will have their homes and their lands restored to them. And that if they're broken, if they're destroyed, that you, just like the story of Nehemiah, would encourage and put it in people's hearts and give them the ability to rebuild and repair and restore. And for there to be a revival, just like there was in the time of Nehemiah, a revival in Ukraine for your church, for your kingdom. And Lord, we pray for wherever they are right now that they would know your comfort and your guidance and your providence. Does anyone else want to add to my prayer? Father God, I know that you are um, you are with us and you are with them. Lord, I ask that um, in the presence of my brothers and sisters, it's something that I've spoken to you about, so you know that um, in the midst of all what's going on, in Russia, in Ukraine, in the surrounding countries, I ask, Father, that uh, people will come to know you they be able to call out to you, mm-hmm. and that through the acts of loving kindness, 
being done throughout the world regarding this, that this will draw people to you. Ukrainians, Russians, and everybody else in between who look upon this. <coughs> I pray, Father, that the, the media and all the myths and all the misinformation will be exposed, that your truths will be said, will come out, and that the glory of all the things that happen will not just fall upon men, but will be given to you. I ask, Father, that people will come to know who you are, will give their lives to you, and that people will be saved in and throughout this crisis. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Lord, that the Shumanite lady had very little. She was barren in her womb, as well as being very unable to provide for herself much. And yet she made room for your, your prophet. And by doing that, you blessed her mightily. So, Lord, may we open our homes to people that need um, help at this time. May we open our hearts and eyes to those that are seeking and needing uh, temporary uh, homing at the moment. And Lord, thank you that you do return everything that the locusts have taken when the enemy robs. So we pray for those people of Ukraine that have lost homes, lost loved ones. Lord, that you will comfort them and you will return them everything that the enemy has taken from them. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Father, we know that uh, many, many are Christians in Ukraine. We know that there has been a revival out there already. In fact, many of them are born-again believers. And we pray that as... I mean, I've prayed this prayer before, but Lord, I pray that as they are scattered... All around Europe, lots of these ones know you and they will be bringing you into the homes of the people that take them in. So, Lord, we pray what the enemy wanted for evil, you would turn around for good and that we would see revival in the whole of Europe because of what has happened here in Ukraine. And we pray for that revival too in Russia, Lord. Lord Jesus, we pray that your name will be lifted high in all of this and that the enemy will be sorry he started it. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. What, uh, what two things have we been learning that we should be asking in wars, rumours of wars, famines and earthquakes? Any two things we should be asking? According to my teaching, anyway. What, what good is God doing? What good is God? What good is God up to? Well, there's time, isn't it? And yeah. what did you really Yes. What good is God up to? And what is God saying or asking of me? Okay, excellent. That was worth two. You can have a you can have a toffee crisp as well. Then. 
Oops, sorry. Isn't it good to see Diane back worshipping at the front as well? Yes. Okay. Now, this woman wisely obeyed God's instruction, which came through the prophet Elisha, to up sticks and go and avoid this seven-year famine. But will God continue to provide for her after those seven years? Do we think? She has stepped out in faith, but could God still be trusted to look after her seven years later? Now, he did her a favour, didn't he, seven years ago? But could she still expect another favour from God? Has she still got credit with God? After all, was he done for her already? <laughs> Given her a miraculous son, and then her miraculous son dies, and so he resurrects her, her son, and then saves her from an awful time of famine. Has she got any credit left with God? Marie's nodding. Oh, I've never given you a chocolate before. <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> now, you may have stepped out in faith, sometimes making costly decisions along the way. But just because God spoke to you all those years ago and you obeyed, does that mean that these years later, he still remembers and he will be faithful to you now? Yes. Can you trust him to keep making a way for you? I mean, he was... He heard, you heard him then, but will you hear him again? Well, in the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus describes our heavenly father as someone who can't wait to run and embrace the sinful but repentant son. That's what the father is like, someone who can't wait to embrace someone who's repentant, who turns to him no matter what they've done. And tells the cynical stay-at-home son don't you realise all I have is yours? So the one who repents and turns to him, no matter what they've done, he embraces them, he runs to them, embraces them and kisses them. And the one who's cynical, who's made a stayed at home and been with him, sort of, but cynical, he turns around and says, don't you realise all I have is yours? That's the kind of heavenly father we have. Is that the kind of heavenly father that wants to look after you, even though he might have said something seven years ago, ten years ago? Does he still want to guide you today, to provide for you, to look after you? That's the kind of merciful, eager, generous, heavenly Father we have. Okay, so read on then. Let's see what happened. Verse 4. The king was talking to Gehazi. Now, who's Gehazi? I want to give someone one on the back. Can someone put their hand up, please, and say, Elisha's servant? <laughs> Richard. Thank you. All right. Here's how to make a sermon last month. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yes. The king was talking to Gehazi, Elisha's servant, the servant of the man of God, and said, the king has said, tell me about the great things Elisha has done. Why did the king ask Gehazi this? Why did the king turn round and say, tell me about the great things Elisha has done? Well, I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit gave the king inspiration in that moment to ask Gehazi, because God knew what was going to happen next. And so he put it in the king's heart to ask Gehazi, come on, tell me about Elisha's great exploits, his adventures. 
And verse 5, it says, Just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to appeal to the king for her house and land. Just as. Isn't that such a coincidence? Just as the king was hearing about the woman and her miraculous son, who should appear? The woman and the son. Just as. Have you noticed that the more you seek God and the more you seek to obey God, the more just as moments happen in your life? Tom, are you experiencing that? More just as moments? Yeah? That deserves a kick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to appeal to the king for her house and land. Now, after seven years of being away, what are the chances of that? Gehazi talking to the king about her, and in the same moment, she appeared before the king. Is that a coincidence? Or is that a God incidence? Yeah. Gehazi said, this is the woman, my lord, the king, and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. The king asked the woman about it, and she told him. Then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, give back everything that belonged to her, including all the income from her land from the day she left the country till now. She was not only given back her home, it was backdated seven years' worth of income as well. <laughs> yeah. When dear Christopher, just as moments, God incidences, he is good, isn't he? And even if he was never, ever good to you again in your eyes, would you still love him? Would you still follow him? Why? Because he's God and he saved you. He died for you. Okay. So she not only got a house back, but she got seven years of belated income too. Does that remind you of something that Jesus said about giving and receiving? Yeah? Oh, yes. Two people. Have you had a chocolate yet, Steve? Stephen, have you had a chocolate? Is it Josephine? Did you, did you, did you call it out, Josephine? Are you donating? <laughs> okay. But there was another one. Oh, okay. Yeah, Luke, turn to Luke 6. Very quickly, let's turn to Luke 6. We're running out of time. I haven't, I haven't even got to the rest of the sermon that I didn't get to last week. <laughs> but we'll, we'll finish in a minute on a good, on a good finish. All right, Luke 6, 38. The words of Jesus again. Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What had this woman originally given? A small room on the roof of her house for Elisha to stay in whenever he was passing. And what had she received from God in return? A miracle son, a raised back to life son, protection from a famine, and now a home back with interest. Pressed down, shaken together, 
running over. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. This is chocolate, so I've been blessed. So Chris, you, you just gave your chocolate away. Well, according to 2 Corinthians 9, is it, that he who is generous, God will provide for, so there'll be seed for the sower and bread as well. Chris, you can have another one to give. Give give it to someone else this time. All right. Okay. (laughs) Wow. I was going to tell that Christian phrase. Have you ever heard the Christian phrase, you can't outgive God? Yeah. yeah, you can't outgive God. You cannot buy God, but you sure can be generous to God. Yeah. yeah. Now, in order for the next part of God's plan for the woman to come to fruition, to give her house back and seven times income, what three things needed to fall into place all at the same time? Gehazi had to be chatting to the king. Okay. The king had to ask Gehazi, tell me about Elisha's adventures. And the woman had to turn up before the king. All these three things happened, happened, had to happen at once. Can God orchestrate that? Yes. Obviously. I suppose the greater question is, is God willing to do that for others? Is God willing to do that for little old me? Yeah? Now, this is where the point I'm getting to. As you know, last Sunday, I woke up and thought to myself, I don't usually do this, but I think I'm going to give some words of knowledge today in church during the worship. I think I've got that on my heart to do. And so my thought was, ah, I think what I'll do is I'll tell three old words that have already been confirmed so that they encourage you to perhaps pay attention to the three new ones. So the three old ones I told were um, Anna Banana, and seeing the picture of bananas and her mum, Sarah, being worried about her daughter, who she called Anna, Anna Banana. Um, and uh, then there was the rose, Jesus mending the rose, and the woman name, middle name was Rose, and she felt broken. And then there was the tennis one. Okay, so those were the three old ones that were confirmed. And then the new ones were, uh, what were they? The car transporter, and allotting your time in, in proper order. And then there was the um, Harburn. And then there was the surfer. Oh, yes, the surfer. Okay. So I have these three new words, and I have the idea to bring the three old words as well. So that's my thought. That's what I thought I'm doing today. So I get to church and I do that. Little be known to me that there was a, a young lady called, well, I won't tell you her name yet, a young lady who got up that morning and had the strong impression, I need to go to Green Street Green Baptist Church. I hadn't been there for four years, and I went there once, four years ago, and a lovely couple called Simon and Jeanette prayed for me. And that night, this lady had a dream about Jeanette. And so she, when she got up on Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, she felt the strong impression, I need to go to Green Street Green Baptist Church to be prayed for again by Simon and Jeanette. And she asked her mum, because she doesn't drive, or she, I don't have a car, so she asked her mum, can you drive me from Swanley to Green Street Green? I need to go to church there this morning. Now, they almost gave up because of the traffic. 
Have you ever had those almost moments? I wonder how many times we've actually given up because of some resistance when actually if we pushed through, we might have actually received something or avoided something, perhaps. Anyway, so she turns up, I turn up, neither of us know, but I share these words, and it turns out her name is Anna. Anna. And her mum calls her Anna Banana. Basically because the only fruit she can eat is bananas. Um, And someone the day before had given her roses. Uh, What else was there? Let me have a look. Oh yeah, she suffers from constant heartburn. um, And she felt like the surfer that I was describing. Uh, Where we go? Her name was Anna. She only eats bananas. Her her mum calls her Anna Banana. Her neighbour is called Sarah, which was another part of the, the thing I shared. And someone gave her roses the day before. She suffers from constant heartburn and she felt like the surfer I described. Now, was that a coincidence or a God incidence? Isn't the Holy Spirit wonderful? He's still very much doing what he was doing two and a half thousand years ago in two kings through the prophet Elisha and the lady, the Shunite woman and the king. And after the service, Simon and Jeanette prayed further with Anna and God continued to speak to Anna things that Simon and Jeanette could have never have known that further spoke into her circumstances. Isn't that amazing? Does God care? Can God still orchestrate that sort of thing? What a wonderful good shepherd we have. He knows and he cares and the more we seek him, the more we find that he's right there shepherding us, even in the midst of famines, wars, earthquakes. So we won't go on to the next part. But I asked the Lord for another word of knowledge this morning. And um, what I saw was a landing strip, an airplane landing strip in the woods. And it immediately made me think of a program I'd watched in the last year or so about an elderly couple who live way out in Alaska. And the only way people can get to them is by an airplane because they live so far out in the woods. Um, And even then it's a trek to to the house. And this man had to make his own landing strip. I don't know how long it took him, but obviously months. It was just trees before, so we had to carry everything down, dig it up, and he had to tend to this landing strip as well, otherwise the planes couldn't land regularly for food and whatnot. And so I saw this landing strip, which made me remember about this program, and then I had the sense of John the Baptist's ministry. Uh, and what was John the Baptist's ministry? What would he... What was the scripture? Yeah, make straight the paths for the way of the Lord. And then I thought, well, what was John's main way of doing that? And it was repentance. Repentance, come to God, repent and come to God. Um, And so the next thing I do is I go, okay, I can see the landing strip. I know about that scripture and repentance. How does that make sense to someone? And sometimes, like the banana one, It doesn't make any sense to me, but it'll make sense to someone else. But with this, I just got the sense that don't stop 
repenting. Don't stop repenting because sometimes we get into a cycle of sin or something that we can't seem to give up or stop doing on our own. And the temptation is, is that we just give up repenting. We give up going to God and saying sorry. Because what's the point? I'm just going to do it again. He's not going to want to know me. He's not going to keep forgiving me. And the enemy whispers to you and you feel shameful to the point that you just give up. And what I felt the Lord is saying to us today through that message is if there's anyone here who's in that situation, don't stop repenting. Don't stop every time you do it, naming it as a sin and coming to God and repenting and seeking his forgiveness. Just like that man had to keep his landing strip clear. Keep coming to God for being washed clean, for your sins to be forgiven. Because the enemy will tell you that he doesn't love you anymore or that he won't want to hear from you. But the truth is, it's his love that will eventually set you free. It's the knowledge of his love and his forgiveness that one day, hopefully, suddenly, you will find yourself delivered. But until that day, if it comes, it may never come until you go to glory. But until that day comes, trust in his love for you to keep coming, just like the father we've heard in that prodigal son. The father who just waits longingly to see this son or daughter repent and turn to him and he runs to them. So keep repenting, turning to him and watch him embrace you. And it's that love that will eventually give you the strength to be broken free and to be set free. Okay.